0: Good morning, it's great to be with you all today as we celebrate Advent together uh, this month and look forward to uh, not just celebrating the first coming of Christ, but his second coming that we're still awaiting when he restores all things and wipes every tear from our eyes. And so uh, we remember what he's done for us in this season, uh, and today we think about the peace that we have because of all that God has done in Christ for us. And so if you'll open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to spend some time in a a variety of places in Scripture today, but primarily in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 14, as well as John chapter 14, so if you want to kind of put a bookmark there, uh, those are the two places we're going to kind of camp out today. Um, Peace is kind of an ironic thing to talk about during the holidays, isn't it? So we we kind of have this vision about how our Christmas is going to go, mostly a vision that's been given to us by the Hallmark Channel, um, where everything just works out and our lives are kind of like a miracle on 34th Street, um, which I got to watch with the the Bray boys and, and Luke while you guys were at the... Christmas dinner the other night, ladies, so that was quite a fun time. <laughs> I hadn't seen that movie in a while, and it, it just struck me as I was watching this movie that everything works out perfectly. Like, there's, there's, there's not even, like, this intense sense of stress that you get in some movies about whether or not it's going to work out, because you just know. Like, um, the movie's about Santa and about this girl's Christmas list, and, and she has three primary things that she's wanting. She, you know, she wants a new home, she wants a dad, and she wants a little baby brother. And by the end of the movie, of course, uh, it's implied that she's gotten all of those things, and life is going to be happy and joyful, and, and peace on earth is going to reign, you know? And, and life is just going to work out. And so we, ha- we kind of have this hallmark vision of how Christmas is going to go for us, and, and we think that life is just going to work out that way this year because it's the holidays. And then, so we get our hopes up, and then the family starts to come in. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you are laughing before I've even made a point, you know? I mean, that's the reality. Like, we we, we we have such high expectations for this season every year, and, and you know, I don't know if it's the snow, which, you know, praise God for some snow yesterday. That was awesome. Um, Joanna's like, yeah. Um, it, I don't know if it's the snow or the hot cocoa or the sitting around a fire um, or just the the, the false vision of what our relationships are like <laughs> that we have in our minds where everyone gets together and everybody's happy and, like, children are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I got something for Christmas. Thank you, you know? Um, that's not how it goes, is it? We get there to the family reunion and, you know, we're having relatives come in town and, and we have all these expectations and yet that one relative with the drinking problem can't get a handle on it for five minutes so that you guys can sit around and read the Christmas story together. Or the children throw tantrums like Dudley and Harry Potter because last year they got 36 presents and this year they're only getting 35. And and that's the end of the world, right? And so our Christmases often don't go the way that we plan. We have things this year um, for some of us where we're headed into the holidays and there's somebody who's not there this year. Um, there's somebody who we want to be there that is in a hospital bed somewhere and we don't even know if we've got the money to go see them. And, and so we have these expectations of the holidays and how they're going to work out and everything's going to be fine and then it's not. And, and it's like the, the world just kind of hits you in the face again. You know, all year long, you've had stuff happen to you. You've had difficulties at work every day, the nine-to-five grind. You've had children that you've been trying to parent and corral and just get them in a car and get them places on time. And then you've had stuff with your spouse where, I mean, gosh, you just want to get a minute to sit down and talk or to go to a movie, I mean, just to get a break from life. And then so you just expect Christmas to just be this wonderful time of year. And then when it's not, it's disappointing. And so the one thing that seems to elude us at Christmas time more than anything else is peace. We have fights with relatives. We have children who scream their head up. Off because they didn't get the one thing on their Christmas list that you didn't know was on there. And, and life just doesn't work out the way we see it in the movies, does it? And so, peace is an ironic thing to think about during the holidays because it seems to be the one thing that eludes us. Well, look with me at Luke chapter 2 because peace is what Christmas is all about. It says in chapter 2 starting in verse 8, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And I just want to pause there for a second, because you have to understand something about shepherds. Like, shepherds are not... The, you know, best crowd to be around, it was well known that they were kind of a rougher crowd. So if you could just picture, like, you know, a construction site and, like, you know, the guys and the kinds of conversations they're having while they're working and things that are going down there. Um, And and if you've ever done any kind of manual labor, you know that um, some of those conversations are intended to be lighthearted, but you would never want your wife or your kids to see them. Um, and and so you have to imagine that this is the kind of hard work that these guys are doing. And the kinds of conversations that are happening are probably not things that you would want to have in front of an angel. Um, and so an angel shows up, and these guys are like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Um, and, and so they're filled with intense fear immediately because, I mean... Like, and, and you would be too, right? It doesn't matter what you do or what kind of conversations you have. If an angel just shows up, like, all of a sudden, life's going to be different for you. Um, you're going to be filled with fear and wondering what, what you did wrong <laughs> um, and what God is about to say to you. And so this angel shows up, they're filled with great fear, and primarily they're filled with fear because of the kind of fear that sin brings into our lives. We, sh- we should have this kind of healthy fear about our standing before God because of the reality of who we are. We should have this healthy fear of who he is and all his glory and holiness, and then the fact that we don't live up to that. And, and these men are no different, and this angel shows up and begins to speak to them He's, and says to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." And so at that moment, they're just like, whew, you know, all right. And, uh, and then it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Father, we ask today that you would give us wisdom. As we look at your word together, as we think about the Advent season, as we think about all that you've done for us, uh, God, we pray that you would give us peace. Lord, that you would give us your peace and help us to understand what you would have us do from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to start there because that passage is just one of those famous Christmas time passages, isn't it? Most of us have probably heard it a thousand times, and and at the end there, it ends with "Glory to God in the highest and and peace among those with whom He is pleased." Talking about God and His favor, and and you know maybe you've heard a, a different version of that verse, um, and and you know that was a little bit different. Um, what, what, it, what he's getting at there, what Luke is getting at as he's conveying this to us is, is that what's being said is that God is going to be glorified by this coming one, this, this baby who these shepherds are going to find, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Um, God is going to be glorified by this event in a particular way, and on earth there's going to be peace with those that know God, that trust in God, those with whom God is pleased, and those who know him. And so I wanted to start here as we begin to talk about peace, because Christmas is about peace. It's, it's about the God who has brought us peace with his coming, um, because we don't serve a God who stands far away and just watches the chaos that we experience during this holiday season happen. We serve a God who saw the sin and the pain and the brokenness of our lives and our world and didn't just stand there and let it spin. He actually entered into it with us and became a victim of the same sin and the same evil so that he might redeem us from it and bring us peace that lasts, true and everlasting peace. And so as we look at this, we have to look at the biblical concept of peace. And so peace is is not merely an absence of conflict. Um, it's, it doesn't stop there. Peace is not just this, this vision of like, okay, this year I want everyone to get along and no one to fight, and then everything's good. Like, peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's more than that, biblically. Peace is not only the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of God's blessing. So there's this negative thing that is gone with peace, this idea of conflict, war, um, you know, and this butting of heads, and, and there's also this positive thing that's present with God's blessing and his very presence. And so as we look at peace, we have to keep that in mind, and, and I think that there are two types of peace that we need to consider, and so look with me at John chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. Here's what it says in John. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so look with me right there at what Jesus says in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, right? And then he also says, not as the world gives do I give to you, right? And so what's implied there is that there's two different kinds of peace, right? Um, So there's this worldly peace, and then there's a, a heavenly peace. So there's Worldly peace is more of a a security that's based on us and temporal realities, so things that expire, right? And so when we think about worldly peace, we're thinking about how uh, right now the, the money we have coming in is greater than the money we have going out, and so life is good. And right now, you know, our kids are excelling in sports. And little Tommy just, like, trucked that kid last week at football. And and we're ecstatic about that because our kid's better than all the other kids, right? And and then we're thinking about how, you know, those times when marriage is, is fun and exciting and you're getting along. And, and it's these kinds of things. It's, it's those times when work is working out and you just got a promotion and you're excited about it that's worldly peace. And the reason it's worldly peace is because it's based on us and our own abilities and resources. And when we think about peace, the kind of peace that God wants to bring us is not this kind of peace that's based on something that's in us. It's not this kind of peace that's based on life just working out right now. The kind of peace that the Bible is talking about, that God has for us, peace with God, peace with man, and and even peace within, as we fight against the anxieties and temptations we experience in life, that kind of peace is a peace that's based upon him and his presence. It's based on eternal realities. And so, heavenly peace, unlike worldly peace, is based on God and eternal realities, And so as we think about peace, as we think about the kind of peace that Jesus is saying that he's giving to his disciples here, he's not talking about a peace that is determined on whether your job is going well right now. He's not talking about a peace that's determined upon whether we're at war or not. He's not talking about a peace that is determined on circumstances. He's talking about a peace that transcends them. And so the way that the Bible talks about peace, the way that Jesus speaks about peace and the kind of peace that he brings, it doesn't matter if you've got those family problems this year. It doesn't matter if you're walking through the muck and the mire and you're going through the waters and you don't know what's going to happen on the other side. Because the kind of peace that Jesus brings transcends that and it helps you to walk through those things. Because it's not based on you. It's not based on your abilities. It's not based on how much money you have in the bank. It's not based on whether or not your relationship with your spouse is going well right now. And it's not based on whether or not you know what you're doing as a parent or at work or any of that. The kind of peace that Jesus brings and the kind of peace that assures his disciples here is a peace that lasts because it's a piece that he gives, and it's based on him. And so you have to understand the context of what Jesus is saying here. He, he's about to leave. Like, these guys have been following him around for three years, and they are his closest friends. They are his family. They are the tightest group of friends and family that you could imagine. Um, these guys had gotten to know God personally by walking around with him when he came to earth for us. And so they spent three years with this man, watching him do miraculous things, watching him raise the dead, watching him heal the sick, watching him open the eyes of the blind. And then this Jesus tells them that he's leaving. And if you were in that spot, if you or I were in that spot, we would be really, really anxious about what was going to happen when that happened, right? I mean, we just placed all our hopes in this man. He's, he's the Messiah. He's the one that God has promised, and now he's here, and now he's saying he's going away. And so you can imagine that just like all of their hopes must have just kind of like wilted like a flower in just an instant, right? And, and Jesus is saying in, in these chapters in John 14 through 16, he's talking about the Holy Spirit he's talking about how his presence is not going to stop with his going away and so as we look at at Christmas as we look at celebrating the coming of Christ to earth we don't just look at God coming as a baby and then living a life and leaving that's not that's not our story friends our story is like the disciples' story where, where Jesus has not just left us to do life and to walk through it alone. He's saying, look at what he says in verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so as Christians, we believe in a God who is three in one, we sing about this all the time. And we sing about this God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And 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 God has not left us alone. Despite what it may feel like as we go through the holiday season sometimes, as we think about the people that we've lost, as we think about how I just don't know if I can do Christmas again this year like I did it last year because it was so painful. We don't have to wallow in that kind of loneliness and heartbreak anymore because the very God of the universe who has created all things and who will restore all things has not left us alone. This is why the disciples can have hope here, and it's why you and I can have hope as we trust in this Christ who has come. Because the helper, the Holy Spirit, is God's very presence with his people inside his people inside each and every one of us who believe and trust in what Christ has done for us and and friends if if God's very presence does not give you peace then you don't understand it and and I know that can that seems a little bit harsh when I say it that way but but listen to what I'm what I'm saying here because Jesus like none of you none of none of us here have ever like actually stood next to Christ and lived life with him personally for 3 years seeing him do all these things and yet we place all our hope in him and and these men had that experience and and Jesus is saying I'm going away he's he's headed back to the father and, and he actually says in another verse in these chapters that it's actually better for his disciples that he goes away so that the helper, the Holy Spirit, can come. And so you and I are in an even better spot than the disciples were when they walked next to Jesus, when they could literally reach out and touch him. You and I are in a better spot this Christmas season than they were those three years that they walked beside him. Because the presence of Jesus in you is far better than him walking beside you. Because all of a sudden, it's not up to you anymore. It's not up to your strength. It's not up to your abilities. It's not up to any of those things. The way that we walk through this difficult season sometimes, and, and, and for some of us, like, the Christmas season isn't difficult right now. And praise God, like, I mean, it should be filled with joy and, and, and happiness. And that's the way it should be. But for some of us, it's really hard right now. And the reason we can walk through it is because we have the presence of Christ and his spirit with his people. And so Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And so I want us to take a look at at three kinds of peace that Christmas brings. And and the first is, is simply peace with God. That's what, that's what this is all about. This, that's what this season is about. As we think about what God has done for us, we have to understand why he's done it. And so every, every year at Christmas, um, I don't know if you have a tradition like this, but when we go to my grandparents' house, uh, my grandfather always sits down and he reads the Christmas story. And, and growing up as a kid, like, it was just a tradition for me. I just listened to Grandpa do this, and I waited for it to be over so that we could open the gifts, right? I mean, like, I, and, and the thing was, we did it in the living room where the Christmas tree was with all the packages, with all the bows on them, and you saw your name on the presents. And you were supposed to wait and listen to the story. And as a kid, I could never understand that, why this was so important when there were all these things to be unwrapped here. And I never understood it until I met Christ. And now, as, as I sit in that room each year, I look at my grandfather reading the Bible, and I see it through a different lens. I see it as these words about this Christ who has come. These are the very words that I base my life upon, that I that provide me hope and peace and rest and they're the reason that I can enjoy the rest of the things in my life. And every year, the sad part is there's other family members in the room who don't know that. And I'm sure there are at your gatherings as well. As as we go through the Christmas season, I would say the vast majority of people have no idea what Christmas is about. And so we go through these traditions where someone in the house reads the Christmas story and, you know, then finally we get to the gifts and, and, and there's many of us that dismiss it. When in reality, when that Christmas story is being read, when my grandfather le- reads the very verses we just read in Luke chapter 2, we should be ecstatic about that part because that's where our hope is found, as we talked about last week, and that's the reason that we can have peace in the midst of all the conflicts we experience in life, all the difficulties that we walk through. And as I'm thinking about my loved ones who don't know Christ and who don't understand this, as that story's being read, my heart breaks. Because the reason this time of year is so incredible is because of those words that we read, that God has sent his son for us, that God has loved us in such a way that he has not stood far off just watching things happen, but he has come to be with us and he has come to save us and redeem us. And and so as we think about that, we have to think about what we're being saved and redeemed from, right? Right? Here's what, the, here's what the scripture says. In, I, in Isaiah 59, we read this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. And then in Romans chapter 3, it says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And the temptation for a lot of us when we read that verse is just to hear the end part about the grace and to ignore why grace was needed. What, what the Bible is telling us is that each and every one of us has this internal uh, tendency of hostility towards God. And it doesn't matter whether we're irreligious, whether we're not believers yet, or whether we're already believers, we struggle with the same tendency to be hostile towards God and to have this damaged relationship with Him. And so the the ir- irreligious person says, I'll live the way that I want to live my life. And and then the religious person says, I'll do everything that the Bible says that I should do and then God will have to bless me. And the sad part is is that the religious person thinks that their life is so much different than the person who's over here saying, I'll do life my own way. When in reality, both of them are attempting to assert their own control over their own lives and, and the reality is, is that none of us are in control. We can, we can fool ourselves all we want into thinking that if we just work harder, then things will work out for us. If, if we just do the right things and do them in the right way, or if we just do what we think makes us most happiest, then life's going to work out, and our lives are going to be like the miracle on 34th Street, where our whole Christmas list is just met, because we're doing life the way we want to do it. And the reality is, is that we're, we don't have that kind of sovereignty. We don't have the power and ability to make sure that our lives turn out the way we want them to turn out. And, and if you've lived life for any length of time, then you know this already, right? There's some of you in here with, with an incredible amount of wisdom um, because you've seen this kind of thing play out over and over again where we try to do life the way that we want to do it because we think that's what's going to bring us the most joy, the most peace, the most hope. And in reality, it, it all falls to shambles. Because it's, it's based on us. It's a worldly peace, right? It's a worldly peace that's based on our own abilities and resources. And it's an attempt to assert our own control and authority over God's rightful place in our lives. And so we're no better if we're just religious people who try to do the things that the book says. And listen, hear me clearly here. Like, you just heard me say a couple minutes ago, this is what I base my life on. This is where my hope is found. This is the only reason that I have any peace during this season. And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't do what the book says. But what I'm saying is that doing what the book says doesn't give you the right to assert your own authority over God's. Because God is the one who's actually in control and, and hope and freedom and peace and joy are all found in trusting in the one who can actually do something about the sin and the pain and the suffering that we experience. And so we have to look at why we need peace. And the reason we need peace is because we're hostile towards God. And and the amazing part about it is, is that grace part in Romans 3 there where it says that we're justified by his grace as a gift, right? And so the reason that Christ came, the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because what God was doing in Christ is he was providing a way for us to be reconciled to himself. And so no longer do our iniquities hide his face from us. If we're trusting in Christ, then what God sees when he looks at our our lives, when he looks at us, as he sees the perfect record, the spotless lamb, Christ himself, he sees his record attributed to us when we trust in what he's done for us. And so we can have peace with God because of what we're celebrating at Christmas, that God has come to give us peace with himself. And secondly, we, we have to look at peace with man, at peace with one another, because this kind of hostility with God that we experience, whether we're irreligious or religious, where we kind of try to assert our own authority in our lives, um, it leads to relational conflict, doesn't it? So whenever you do things the way that you want to do them, there's somebody in your life who's not real happy with that, right? And so if you're, if you're married, you've experienced this just about every week, right? So you, do, you go out and you do something because you think, like, this is what I want to do. And then you come home and you realize that you didn't consider the other person that's in your life every day. And they're not really okay with that. <laughs> Turns out, um, and so we experience this kind of this kind of relational conflict all the time because we try to do things the way we want to do them, and all we're considering is ourselves. We're not thinking about the other people in our lives. We're not thinking about the way that God would have us act towards them, and so we have relational conflict all the time because of the sins in our own hearts, and. And when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about what God has done for us in Christ, it has implications for that relational part of our lives as well. It's not just that the gospel provides a way for us to be reconciled to God, but the gospel actually provides the way that we can experience forgiveness and the way that we can then forgive others in our lives when they've wronged us. And so when we look at forgiveness, when we look at this kind of peace that the gospel brings— um, and we consider the relationships that are broken in our lives, um, there's, there's a few places that we could go. Um, Matthew chapter 6 says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And so we see there that forgiveness of others is tied to our own forgiveness. Our own relationship with God is actually affected by the way that we go about relationships with the other people in our lives. And so if we're harboring grudges throughout this season as uh, with family members with that thing that they did 5 years ago that you still haven't talked about it's not okay to just let that fester. That's something that will actually affect the kind of peace that you experience in your relationship with God through Christ. And it's going to affect this holiday season as it has everyone before it. And and we approach the holiday season as though, like, this year, that person's just going to admit all their wrongs and and, like, it's going to be great because they're going to be like, I was an idiot and I did this and this and I'm an evil person and can you just forgive me? And if if we know Christ, if we know the hope that we have in him, if we know what God has done for us, then we realize that there's no sin that another person could commit against us that is greater than the sins that we've committed against God. And whenever we understand that, whenever God opens our eyes it totally changes our relationships. It changes the holiday season. It changes family reunions because all of a sudden, it's not about wanting that person to do what they should do. Instead, it's about you taking the steps towards them in love just as God has done in Christ for us. That's what Christmas is all about. Instead of us trying to take steps towards God and reconcile ourselves to him, he did the entire thing when he had no responsibility to do that. He wasn't wrong. We were. And yet God is the one who came to us. And that totally changes the way that we look at our relationships in the holiday season. It, it causes us to, to, it should cause us to want to forgive, to want to experience reconciliation despite the things that have been done against us because we know what God has done for us in Christ. And so in Colossians it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Listen to this part. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians three, twelve through fifteen. So we forgive because we've been forgiven. We have peace with others because of the peace that we have with God in Christ. And then finally we we have to look at peace within. Because as we talked about, the holidays are extremely difficult for Many of us, we are approaching a season where um, we've lost someone or we're afraid that we're going to lose someone to illness. We are approaching a season possibly where, where, man, I I just don't know how I'm going to be able to purchase the gifts for my kids and what their faces are going to look like on Christmas morning when maybe they don't have anything if the finances don't come in and and we look at a season where loved ones are coming in to visit and and because of the relational strife that we've experienced in the past few years we're not even sure that we want them to come and all of these things bring up anxiety in our hearts they they make us anxious they they result in fear and worry and and we're so anxious about the things that could happen during this season that we miss the joy of it. And Christmas gives us a kind of peace that lets us experience joy despite all of those difficulties. Did you know that well over a hundred times the Bible says, do not fear? It's one of the most common commands in Scripture is do not fear. And and people debate exactly how many times, but but the debate is pointless because when God repeats himself, that's something you should listen to. And if scripture, if, if God himself is saying, do not fear, do not be anxious, do not worry, over and over and over again, then there's something he's wanting us to see, right? Like, w- whenever my wife tells me something multiple times, I'm a little thick-headed, so... Um, so sometimes I just continue to not listen. And then finally she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Um, and we can't do that with this with God. Right? I shouldn't do that with my wife either. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh, sorry, Annie. Um, anyways, whenever God repeats himself, as, as important as it is to listen to the other people in your life, that love you and care about you, when they repeat themselves? When God says something more than once, you've got to open your ears and hear it. Because he doesn't want to just make you do things begrudgingly. He wants you to experience the fullness of joy and life and happiness that can be found only in him and only in trusting in him. And so as we, as we look at this idea that the Bible tells us not to fear, and as we approach the holidays, with all these things happening, we need to hear his words. And so here's what scripture says. In Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord, who cre- he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. So our peace isn't based on our circumstances. It's based on God's presence. And that's what Christmas is all about. That God himself has become present with man who rebelled against him, and we have peace with God because of that, because of what Christ has done. And, and so as we, as we conclude our, our message today, I want to read to you what we started our service with today from Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. We have peace because of Jesus and because of Christmas. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for all that you've done for us. And in the midst of a life that is often very difficult and very painful, God, during this season, as we celebrate Advent, we celebrate you. We celebrate your coming to rescue us from our sin and ourselves, and to provide the kind of forgiveness and love that results in restored relationships. And God, we thank you that because of your sovereign control over all things, we have nothing to fear in life despite the horrible circumstances we can sometimes find ourselves in. So God, would you help us not to try and do things our own way, but would you help us to trust in you? Would you help us to find peace in you? And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.